some doings. I remember those days. I'd gather together with a young gentleman by the name of Nicholas Mailer, and we'd pick topics on a subject, and then, if I recall correctly, emphatically discuss them for up to four or five hours at a time. Oh, I can remember it so very clearly, especially moments from episodes one to ten. Like, for instance, the first time we talked about cream teas. I did notice the other day that if you go into Waitrose, this is good, uh, when you get, you know, if you go to Waitrose, they give you the little green counter that you put into one of the three charity buckets. You know how I, yes, you know how I choose the charity? How do you choose which one? I I give the charity that's given the, um, the least. Oh, you do? Yes. Because I, because I think, because I think, um... You're, you, you common people have chosen the obvious choice. I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose the rehabilitation and giving cream teas to paedophiles charity. <laughs> that's, right, that's probably what it is. <laughs> Rather than the help the orphans charity, which is surprisingly got we the big to men- We forgot to mention at the beginning that the, the Rums Doing podcast is sponsored by the giving cream teas to paedophiles charity. Yes. This Rum Doing is sponsored <laughs> by the giving cream teas to paedophiles charity. It's a very important charity. There's a lot more highlighting. I mean, yes, because let's be honest, if paedophiles, instead of (laughs) abusing children, Uh enjoy cream teas, society will be better off And hasn't science proven that it's the same gland in the brain that's rewarded by paedophilia as by cream teas? So they'll lick the cream off a jammy scone and they will feel just as happy as if they... Please please do not finish that sentence. I shan't. It's all gone horribly wrong. Oh, yes, the charity buckets. What's that? (laughs) www.give give give a cream tea to a paedophile.org. Because it's not org, it's not com, because they're a charity. The Charity Commission has given them their certification. (laughs) Suddenly, the number of people I can recommend listening to this podcast is just plop. They're having... Radio 4's special charity (laughs) produced by Sue Cook is going to be and now (laughs) Hugh Edwards with a very special message hello (laughs) (laughs) oh yes that was quite a time and talking of laughing (laughs) Nick would do his impressions oh and one I particularly recall was Rick Astley. I want to celebrate my favourite of your um, descriptions of someone's singing voice, which has stuck with me ever since, which was uh, Rick Astley. Can you remember? Uh, yes, I do remember. Yeah. Which, so you want to say how Rick, what Rick well, Astley well, sounds well, like? Well, well you, you can, because you remember it. He's probably Rick better Astley. than I do. I'm seeing Rick now, Astley. Yeah. And because this is pre-Rick Rowling, so this is... Way like, before, yeah. Everyone yeah. knows who Rick Astley is probably now. 10, 15 years ago. When, 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 no, about Joe, 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Say, it was yeah. 10, yeah, because it was soon um, after I... He said, uh, Rick Esley sounds like a witch cast a spell on him halfway through a yawn. Exactly. Which is just perfect. But it does, and when when I think about it, that's exactly because... And and it's interesting, it's... (laughs) But it's not... It's it's not just... Whilst he's got the most extreme version of it, if you listen to a lot of early 80s new romantic music and that sort of stuff, there is this weird tone where they're singing slightly deeper than their natural voice is right. so they open their larynx more than they should I mean, <laughs> gold you know it, it's got I don't think we have to worry about paying PRS fees on that <laughs> I don't think <laughs> of course that wasn't the only time that Nick 
God rest his soul, would sing. He so loved to sing the jingles of Radio 4. The first night that I was here, we, we, we flew here and we arrived, obviously arrived in the morning. The first night I was here, I had a clock radio, and I fell asleep listening to the sounds of Sailing By playing right. on Radio 4. So it's got a very... Um, can you sing it? Can you sing it for us? Yes, but I shan't. Oh, unless you sing along and you refuse to sing. I can't. I, I was just trying to think how the tune went because I am completely. Well, do you want me to? I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you I could only get to the archers' tune in my head. Do 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 do. And then then there's oh, yeah. <laughs> And I thought it's uh, at the time I thought it sounded like a bit like Debussy's La Mer. Um, well, it, it doesn't, but it had the, that sort of wavy sound to it. It's similar right. to what Debussy does in La Mer. I, I was precocious. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> fucking how old were you? And I, but, but I. I <laughs> but but I found it. I found mother, mother. This sounds like Debussy. I thought they're they're, they're, they're quoting Debussy's <laughs> motifs in this strange little waltz, and I found it uh, interestingly comforting and oh, poignant. Did. Even then, the first time I heard it, I hate it. I, no, I don't I like it, but it sounded poignant. I like and it better than I like the national anthem. With that ridiculous pomp at the beginning, of the <laughs> stand up! <laughs> Come on, everyone! Although it's up. bedtime, although it's bedtime, get out of bed, <laughs> put on put a tie, your and salute Her Majesty <laughs> the German Queen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the most horrendous sound. And then it just there's so much build up into the ghastly old droning awful tune. And then it's suddenly it's just BBC World Service. It's like, really? That was what we were building up to? Do you know what the biggest tragedy is? It used to be that it would play that it would go But then of course it would it would immediately it would immediately hit into. It would immediately hit into um, the world service, which would then go. Uh, they don't play Lubelera Do anymore. No, they've got this oh. weird synthesized sort of go. <laughs> and that's all they have now. It's Aww. very sad. So I don't stay up as late as I used to to hear World Service anymore. Uh, occasionally, if I'm driving somewhere, I hear it, and they don't have Lily Bellera because apparently it's rude to the Irish. Oh, is it? Apparently so. But then again, our national anthem's rather rude to the Scots. Our national anthem, <laughs> the royal anthem, it yeah. goes about the knavish Scots and they should all be killed or something. So, what you well, say? I agree with that. My hatred <laughs> yes. of the Scots. I'm fully so, 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 so you're only quoting the national anthem. That's right. There. Uh, but I, I, you see, I don't mind. I think Radio. F- I'm quite happy that Radio Four play the national anthem. Um, but I think it should be an interesting and considered arrangement. Yeah, uh, uh, and slightly quiet. It's it's it's, it's in it like a lullaby, just just sending you to sleep with a few augmented chords to problematise the notion of nationality. I think that would be fine. That's more of a Radio Four thing to do, not this, <laughs> not so, so, not to suddenly turn into Radio BNP. <laughs> Radio BNP. You'll you'll forgive an old man for letting sentimentality run through his mind. Oh, dear me. Well, let me think. What else? Were there some happy memories? Oh, yes, there was was that time that Nick spoke about quite how fat I am. While she's pregnant, after being in labour for so long, just to give her a rest, they gave her diamorphine, Uh which is heroin. Oh, yes. And she liked that very much. Morphine morphine is different to heroin. Well, it's, it's it's still a it's still it's very molecularly it's molecularly very similar. It is, still, but uh, I think it acts differently on people. What's Her, the, heroin what's, is more like a hug. Than what's morphine. the correct term for it? Um, opioid. Opioid. It's still an opiate, isn't it? And, mm. and so you have an opiate reaction to it. But mm. I had um, 
Uh, I, I hated it, but I felt like I was detached from my body. Indeed, you've said to do so before, Mr. Uh, on here, Grandpa, on so you know. So have I told the story about the sort of what the surgeon said to me on the way in then? No. Um, just checking, because I can't remember any of them so senile. Uh, Who are you? He, he pointed to Where am I? What's going on? <laughs> he, he, he pointed down to my belly, and mm-hmm. he said to me, um, he was explaining why they were going to do keyhole rather than fully invasive surgery, yeah. and he said, um, when there's more of someone in this area... <laughs> That's how he phrased it. <laughs> so I thought it was brilliant. And even in my high state, I thought that when was we have to, that. When we have to resharpen our scalpels <laughs> halfway through the incision, <laughs> we know. When we, that. To dig, when we use the pneumatic scalpel. And we have to install a lift. <laughs> so, thanks very much, Doc. Yes. That was very no, good. No, you, you get upset about your fatness, I know. You don't well, like people like when I said when you talked about riding a horse and I said poor horse and you were very angry with <laughs> no, me. No, that's not what very angry. Should we, do we really want to go over the story? Because I think you'll find that your wife walked out in, of the hotel. She that was, was so some, angry. That was some she years was so ago. angry with you. That for was some what you years said, ago, and you won't remember anyway because you're seeing. <laughs> I do remember that quite clearly. <laughs> you remember that then? <laughs> yes, I remember that moment. It's I dare you. Said I want to go horse riding, and I said I oh, poor horse, horse, and you started crying that's and you crying and you ran out. You said, "How can you be so hurtful?" I slammed a glass against the wall. <laughs> and you said, no, actually, "Get out of my life! I don't want to see you anymore." And I slapped you. Yeah, it was it was very beautiful. That's what happened. That's true. When in we Amsterdam. In Amsterdam. Mm. Happy days, happy days. Of course, Nick and I didn't always get along. Um, I remember one time a terrible, terrible argument broke out over um, my lack of a belief in travel sickness. I don't believe. In travel sickness. No, I do believe in seasickness because obviously the undulating motion. And, 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 and Jesus. Um, <laughs> so you believe in Jesus as well, let's be honest. Let's, but that's perhaps not relevant to what I'm saying. <laughs> I only believe in, no. in, 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 in seasickness and Jesus. Exclusively, <laughs> that's the only things I believe in. Yes. I don't believe in butterflies, volcanoes, no. maths, none yes. of those things. No, but um, the travel sickness, car sickness. Yeah. I don't believe that's true. Yeah. I don't believe that anyone who hasn't been told it exists would ever experience it. Is it not the same thing as with Sikhs? There's inner ear issues. You just believe that's nonsense. But there's no, there's no undulating motion. You're just travelling forward well, at a, a car, constant a car pace. Joggles, got a little joggle, a joggle. Barely. I think it's rubbish. And everyone's like, hey, take, take a couple of these sugar pills before you get on board and you'll be absolutely fine. I've seen, if no one talks... I, I get so angry with people telling their children they're going to be trouble sick. No, they shouldn't do that. Make sure you take these pills or you will be sick. Well, of course they're going to be sick if you inform them. This, Put a patch in the, behind your ear. Getting in the sick-making machine. Make sure you take your anti-sickness pills. <laughs> yeah. It seems crazy to me. I'm sure I'm infuriate everyone because I also don't believe in hay fever. No, I get terrible hay fever. Don't I don't believe in hay fever. I, I wish I could not believe. <laughs> if I just tap my heels together three times and say it doesn't yeah. exist, it's like those horror films. But you're not real. You can't <laughs> hurt me. Well, it still bloody does hurt me. It makes my it makes me dread summers. I yeah. think I might have confused things I don't suffer from with things <laughs> yes. that don't exist. <laughs> this cancer nonsense is just <laughs> a load of attention seekers. Absolutely. <laughs> Stupid cancer-suffering idiots. Well, of course, um, another popular topic back in those days was when Nick and I, we would discuss matters of the universe. Nick, of course, with his fancy ideas of science, and me grounding us a little in the true nature of our Lord Jesus. Here's such a conversation. Let's be honest, the world doesn't promise us 
that probability will remain the same. This is always a point I've made. Mm-hmm. Inductive, that's inductive reasoning. And just because the sun rose yesterday doesn't mean it'll rise tomorrow morning. You've got no guarantee, even though it's done it millions of times. And I'm not even talking about in the sense, well, it could suddenly explode because we don't know what's going on in mm-hmm. the middle of the star. But the universe has made no contract with us, unless you believe in the story of God and Noah. Right. Uh, there is no, okay, I made a bit of a boob, but here's a rainbow, which means I won't do it again. <laughs> That's right. The universe hasn't said that. If the universe suddenly decides that the electron is not going to be worth minus one of anybody's money anymore, <laughs> right. and decides it'll be worth minus <laughs> 0.2, no scientist can go, hold on, that's not the bargain we made. It could just flick like this, and you say, well, it hasn't done it for billions of years. Yes, and that mm-hmm. is an argument that it's not going to do it. How exactly? Well, because it hasn't. Well, has the universe promised you that because it's done something a long time, it's not suddenly going to flip? No, of course it doesn't. So, in a sense, everything's faith, which means you can believe in Jesus and not feel stupid anymore. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> so, so yeah, I've suddenly become a bit Andrew Collins in that I've just <laughs> argued against all of inductive reasoning and science and just said it's basically religion. <laughs> See you <laughs> There's all this straw is doing to me. Another, another thought, another, another thought, another, another thought that comes back to me. Another thought, yes. Oh dear. So, we used to run a scientific laboratory for a while. The two of us working together, with our little lab coats on, name badges. Mine said John, his said Nicholas. Oh, sorry, drifting again. But, of course, we one of our most famous and popular experiments was the time we decided to test all the women in the whole world. Um, I believe, first of all, here's a moment in which we began the experiment. It's quite funny. Early on, relatively early on in the pregnancy... Um, Victoria was. I was trying to listen to Cabin Fever or, <laughs> because they were. No, it was. A, it was. A, it was a trailer on the radio, oh, yes, I and they were saying the when it was on. And, and I, 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 I said, "Shh, I'm listening to the trailer. See when it's on." And that led to a lot of trouble. Yes. Never ever tell a lady that what she's saying could be delayed for what's on the radio. Have you ever Never had shush that? a pregnant lady? I think that's the lesson well, you've Any lady at all. I have a colleague who was trying to watch some nature documentary or something on television, mm-hmm. and his lady friend was sitting next to him. And just yabbering on, you know. Suddenly, <laughs> it's important to talk, and the television on. And of course, you're politely sitting there, and you say, Shh, can I just do? And then suddenly, how dare you ever talk, try and suggest that the television might have something better to say than I? I, I, I could say more, and but I'm going to get in trouble. Women are like, are all women like this. Is that what you're saying? Well, I have two examples. I've only, <laughs> I've only, got, to I've only got about three and a half billion to go, and then I'll have a definitive answer. Do you know any other women than those two? I know of, I know of the way they behave. Yes, okay, I'm just saying. Otherwise, the hundred percent of women you know behave. No, no, no. There are other, but I haven't, I haven't had the examples of those behaving in other ways. Okay, I haven't had. I'll put them in front of a radio and tell them to shut up and see what happens. That'll be a controlled experiment. I'll have to do with men as well. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. Double-blind test condition. And also have it... Uh, yeah, so I, I mustn't know whether the radio's playing at the time. Right. So I'll have to have earplugs in. <laughs> It'll be very interesting to see how you manage to shush them. <laughs> yes. No, uh, no, I'll just arbitrarily say shh. Oh, is or not say shh, depending on what a quantum <laughs> random generator tells me to do. Okay. So <laughs> Should we set that test. up? And you're going to test all women, so all three and a half billion women. Yes, and, and then report the results in the Lancet. Okay, that sounds perfect. I should have it done by the next podcast. So I'll, let, I'll, I'll let you know next podcast what the okay. results were. Sounds good. It, <laughs> it is good. But you, for example, 
once told me while we were walking through Camden, actually, which is what brought to mind because I met you in Camden today. You told me how wonderful women are from Venus and men are from Mars was, and how it taught you everything about women. Do you remember that? No, it's not it's about true. Six years ago, yes, I've never was. read that book. It was, and therefore, it was. That no, can't you did. It was, and you said I suddenly learnt about my own female brain and all that kind of thing. Nope. You did. Definitely. I've never read that book in John, my life. John, you're, you're a revisionist historian. <laughs> Next thing you'll be saying the Holocaust didn't happen. <laughs> it did, absolutely did not, I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. no. You did I've say that. I've never read that book in yes, my you life. Have. I believe, if I recall this conversation correctly, and I barely remember this, uh, the, the, the man wants to share the problem. He wants advice. He wants uh, the idea to be banged around, and, 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 that's, and that's really important. Whereas the, uh, the woman sharing the problem in general, in sweeping generalizations, doesn't want the problem solved and doesn't want suggestions of what to do, but wants to be acknowledged as having been heard. And that's, I believe, what I shared with you and made a great deal of sense to Right. Me. So we now have two experiments, two experiments, two experiments to do yes. next week. I've got my, uh, are all women ridiculously sensitive when you want <laughs> you to listen them. to or watch something on television and you gently the shush them? Yes. And you've got, uh, do women merely want to share but not solve their problem when mm-hmm. they share it with you? That's right. And so, so you'll be you testing with three and a half million, when million you want, as well. Billion, yeah? Billion. Yeah, billion, yeah. When you're done with your tests, I'll just take the same subjects. Yeah, that's right. Into the next chamber. The next we might chamber. Be, could, we might be able to do ah, we'll be able to combine them because when they fly off the handle. <laughs> oh, hang on. Are you, say, sh- are, you shushing, are you shushing them? Yes. And then they'll fly off the handle and you'll say, oh. what's the problem? Do you have a problem that you want no, me to solve? I think we should do it the other way. I think we should do it the other way around. I think we should ask the women uh, if they have an emotional problem they wish to share. And then as they start sharing it, you should share them because you want yes. to hear the radio. And then I'll say, you didn't want it solved anyway. You just want me to go there, 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 there. So yeah, there stop go. being silly. Well, a couple of weeks went by, and uh, we came back with some very interesting results. Um, you'll, you'll have to, uh, I suppose, continue existing and listen to this clip now. Now, I feel that what the nation, and by the nation I mean the planet, yes. is, is wanting to hear from us this week, is yeah. the results of our experiments. And then we would learn if all women were the same. Well, I went through all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave them, a, in order to... Uh, fulfill the experiment in the time required i gave each uh, candidate 20 milliseconds okay <laughs> um there was 10 milliseconds of radio broadcast uh-huh. a five millisecond shush Shushing. and then uh, can you simulate the five millisecond shush for us on the, on the podcast yes are you ready yep. there we excellent. go excellent that was really good and uh and then the the rest of the five milliseconds were used to measure their response now obviously it's a bit difficult to measure response objectively uh, so the criteria we used were if the woman had a sad face at that <laughs> sad point face. yes uh, at that 5 millisecond point then we considered the experiment to show that she was upset mm-hmm. by the shushing yes if she had a neutral now this is the controversial bit mm-hmm. if she had a neutral face we discounted her from the data because i mean she didn't have time to react and if she had a happy face then obviously we, we shot can, her as a witch yes Yes. So the point was, did did the face change from something else to a sad face? If that were the case, we considered that statistically significant. Otherwise, we didn't. Um, my findings, as with most scientific uh, data, were, were, were inconclusive. Oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> yes. Whereas I found out that all women are exactly the same. Except for the ones in Latvia. Well, I was going to ask you, that. the one thing I was really interested to find out was how did the women from the... Uh, remote tribes who've never encountered a radio before was there mm-hmm. a difference in their reactions or were they exactly as predicted 
Um, no, because the uh, women in the remote tribes, we'd used an excerpt from Women's Hour. Oh, yes. And their heads exploded. Well, I was going to say, if you're playing Women's Hour, surely they'll be doing the shushing so they can hear the details of how to make well, a yes, that, bread that was a mistake. before a long story about a lady who got raped. Yes, that was a mistake. Yes. So we, we had to, again, discount them from our data. We had to switch it back over to trailers for cabin pressure. Yes. <laughs> Essential. So all in all, the... the science, th- science has been further, it's taken a great step forward, well, I think it's safe to all, say. But, but between the two of us, I think we spent, was it 12.6 billion mm-hmm. on the experiment? Mm-hmm. And we included 325,000 people across the world in partaking of this, ex- in actually running the experiment. That's true, so we have created jobs in a global yes. downturn. Yeah, so all in all, I think it was a worthwhile uh, attempt. Now, you're too modest to say this, but I'm not, that yeah. uh, we are very likely for the Nobel Prize. The Nobel Prize, but not the, the Nobel Prize. No, the Nobel Prize. The <laughs> prize for sheer nobility. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it was created by Albert Noble. <laughs> he was a very modest chap. Yes, um, he invented the sparkler. And he got, right. yeah, and he felt, yeah, and he felt, uh, <laughs> he felt slightly upset by the children who hurt their fingers when they touched mm-hmm. the uh, orange white hot bit. Yeah. So uh, his guilt led him to give the Nobel Prize. Do you know who the first pence. the first winner of the Nobel the Nobel Prize was? Ross Nobel. It was the no. <laughs> he was, it was his grandson. Uh, the, it was the inventor of the cap of the hat doff. Oh right! So when one doffs one's cap or hat, mm-hmm. that was the first. Uh, that was Simon but, Doff. Yes, but invented what, that. What? It was the first winner of the hundred pence prize. <laughs> was it? Yes. Oh, well, I, I thought I thought it must be, but uh, isn't that really? Um, isn't that really just a descendant of the forelock tug? Oh well, if you want to be controversial about it, I mean, well, there's no point. Didn't in Didn't he just back. plagiarise the forelock tug? I can't believe this is with an artificial head. I can't believe we're having this argument again. Again, it's comes Remember, around and around. Every bloody podcast, every we talk week. about the forelock tug and the hat doff. <laughs> and this, this brings us close to the end of my little tiptoe down memory lane. Um, I suppose you could argue that there were more great moments in episodes one to ten, but I think you'd probably be an idiot if you tried. Um, now, of course, episode ten was a very special time for both of us. We had never believed that the podcast could last this world record-breaking length, breaking all previously known limits of podcasting ability, and to celebrate we decided that we would record a tribute to what I remember as being our very favourite programme on Radio 4, a programme that I believe was known as The Now Show. Uh, Yes, so Nick and I, we worked very, very hard on recording a little special tribute, which I'd like us all to listen to once again just now. Um, and I'll be back just after to say goodbye. This is a podcast not from the BBC. If you wish to listen to other podcasts not from the BBC, please see the rest of the internet.
to the show. This week, joining us is Nick Mailer, John Walker, Bitch Men, and Marcus Stockbridge. week, the Archbishop of Canterbury has expressed concern over the election of a gay bishop in Los Angeles, fearing for the unity of the worldwide Anglican Church. It seems that a big fear is a schism where the church divides into two, those supporting gay clergy on one side and those who don't on the other. You can imagine the church notices that are a result from this. Church of Saint Back to the Wall, where we can assure you that our Mary ain't no virgin. Join us later for our weekly footy match before the parish punch-up. But now it's time for the first reading from the Book of Clarkson, Chapter 3. Ducky, welcome into the church of Rootsy by the Dogs. We look forward to seeing you all on bended knee, bowing your heads. Please remember that the front doors of the building are under maintenance, so everybody will need to use the rear entrance for the foreseeable future. church said he couldn't understand what the fuss was about. Because, because there's so many gates in the Catholic church, see? This week, common speaker John Burko was accused of having written a sex guide in the 80s. He claimed he didn't write it, but some things he's been saying in Parliament recently have made us wonder. <laughs> Order, order. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Order, order. Order me some leather suspenders and a whip. <laughs> I beg your pardon, Mr. Speaker. Oh, sorry, I was a million miles away in the steamy massage bar in Morocco, to be precise. <laughs> now, Mr. Speaker, I have a point of order. I'd order your point any day. Mr. I'm sorry, I seem to have come over a little queer. That's no way to talk about the Minister for Sport, Mr. Speaker. Enough tittle-tatter. We need to prepare for the opening of Parliament. How so? We don't want a repeat of last year's mishap. What was that, Mr. Speaker? Instead of coming at the front, Black Rod came up my back passage and thrust himself too hard against my entrance. Like I've erupted early day motions all over my dispatch box. <laughs> and now to give his angry monologue about what's gotten his wick this week, it's Marcus Stockbridge. So, last week, when the Queen uh, came out to say she wants the paparazzi to stop taking photographs of her family, uh, uh, we all were in a bit of shock. 
the woman in the crown who lives in the giant palace that we pay, we pay for with a family who live in the lap of luxury is now complaining because occasionally someone takes a picture of her. It's, it's a bit like if I were to go into Trafalgar Square, take off all my clothes and carry a ten-foot sign above my head saying, take a picture of me, and then complain when the tourists start snapping away. Sorry, Mrs. Queen dear, but if you live publicly, you have to expect the public to see you. You can, you can just imagine Prince Philip complaining about it, can't you? Hey, say, Elizabeth, you know the problem is, don't you, with all those slitty-eyed lenses able to see from the roads around Sienbrigham. Send them back to Russia, that's what I say. Talking of the Queen, what about Ben Elton over in Australia? Apparently now it's unacceptable for a comedian to complain about the royal family without calls for them to be hanged in the streets. With the oppression of comics like us getting increasingly worse, just imagine what comedy will be like in a year's time. It's the Now Doing Show! So this week in the news, I see that Kate and William's marriage is said to be on the rocks. That's a shame, and we all wish them the very best. <laughs> and now here's Bitch Men with a song about how nice it is that it's sunny and everything's lovely. <laughs> so no, us comedians have got to fight back. It's important that we take a stand and don't allow the regime to dictate what jokes we can make. And if that means calling the Queen a little old lady, then that's what we're prepared to do. And so here's Bitch Men with a song about their problems with Gordon Brown. As Christmas comes along, ladies and gentlemen, MPs are up and asked what books they're going to be reading over the break. Gordon Brown has surely read Metamorphosis by Kafka, where the protagonist wakes up having become a slimy insect. Well, I wondered, imagine if you woke up one day and it was even worse. You woke up and instead of being a slimy insect, you were much slimier. You are Gordon Brown! <laughs> so here go the Gordon Brown blues. I woke up this morning, I was feeling so sad. I woke up this morning, I was feeling too bad. I woke up this morning, I was feeling so down. Because when I woke up this morning, I became Gordon Brown. I got one glass A, I got a dodgy mouth, I got a glory face, I got a family from Glasgow South. My handwriting's so poor, it's made me a laughing stock. I left my milkman a note by the door, and he thought I was ordering a pint of gold cock. Oh, I woke up this morning, and I thought, this can he get more wrong? Until I realized, at least I'm not David. Cameron. Oh, give me a recording contract, please. Give me a recording contract. I can't go on like this And finally, ladies and gentlemen, at the beginning of the show, the audience question that we asked was, why do you love the rum doing show so much? And here are just some of your wacky replies. Tim from Made Up Place answers, Why do you love the rum doing show so much? With, it's the closest thing Britain has got to the Daily Show. In fact, it should probably be called the Weekly Show. Hilarious! 
this. And here's one from ethnic name that has a marzipan. I love the rum doing show because there's nothing that goes with my chicken satay skewers better than a bunch of satire skewers. Satire, satay, satire. I love that. And here's one from Mary, imaginary person. I love the rum doing show because unlike Radio 1, there's actually decent real rock music on it. Give bitch men a recording contract now. Here, here. Bitch would be too polite to say, but he's actually better than every single other serious rock star out there in every respect. Yes. Well, those audience artists as well as zany, we have such a crazy audience, it scares me sometimes. Well, that's the price you pay for being the only satire game in town. True. And until next week, goodbye! And and that was it. That was literally all that was good about the first ten episodes of Robin Doings. Oh, maybe one day, one day in the future, um, I'll reminisce more on later episodes, should anything good have occurred during those times. In the meantime, I ask you all to just rest easy in the knowledge that I haven't the faintest idea how this sentence is going to end. All the best to you, and goodbye. <laughs>